The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in today. I'm Diane Ray here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. Hopefully you're staying warm wherever you are. Just crazy weather that we're having. Of course, you're you're all going to hate me because I'm here in San Diego and it's like 60 something and, and not that big a deal. You know, we freeze and uh, anything that dips, you know, below 72 is just intolerable for Californians here. But I have friends in Texas that are just absolutely frigid and dealing with just a, a horrible situation. So wherever you are, I'm sending you warmth and love and hopefully, you know, things will be turning around soon. You know, spring is right around the corner. What, what they keep telling us. So anyway, I'm just going to jump right in. You know, if you've been in the spiritual space for a while, like I have, and you're a fan of the secret or the law of attraction or, you know, any of those kinds of things, I'm sure you've heard the term manifesting. You know, you can use it like a verb, you know, like Joe manifested signs of depression or something like that. And in that context, you know, it means to display or show a quality or feeling by one's acts or appearance. So that's kind of one way to look at it. But if you're thinking about manifesting in the law of attraction sense, you know, essentially it's manifesting means to bring something tangible into your life through attraction or belief, you know, so if you think it, it will come. Well, if you've tried that, you know, it's not that easy. I mean, I've been sitting here, you know, thinking, thinking, thinking with uh, the light bulb on my head, you know, wishing for the big house and all this other stuff. And, you know, it, it doesn't just happen overnight. There's a lot more to it than just willpower and positive thinking and a lot of other ways to manifest things into your life. So we're going to explore some of that today. I've been reading a book by Dr. Linda Howe. It's called Inspired Manifesting that really gives you some different insight into the act of manifesting, how we can strengthen our skills at bringing more happiness, purpose, and joy into our lives, even in these crazy, ridiculous times with freezing frigid sub-zero temperatures and raging pandemic and unrest and political craziness and all of that stuff. Well, Dr. Linda Howe is a leading expert specializing in using the Akashic Records, which is the Energetic Archive of Souls. How cool is that? She uses the Akashic Records for personal empowerment and transformation. And I first came in contact with Linda a few years ago during my time at Hay House. And I've always been so fascinated by the idea of the Akashic Records and just the whole concept of it and, and how accessing this information could really be beneficial, you know, what we can learn from it and what it can do for us. So Linda joins us today to talk about her work and her new book. And welcome to the show, Linda. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you today. 
Well, it's so nice to hear your voice. You know, I've, I had uh, read some of your past stuff, you know, back in the Hay House days. And I think you even mm-hmm. did a radio series with me, you know, yeah. teaching people about the Akashic Records. And it just, I love kind of the visual of when I think about the Akashic Records, I think of this like ethereal, you know, library of the universe, of all of the information of all of our, all of our souls. I don't know, is that, would that be accurate <laughs> in that oh, visualization? You know you know what? It's um, you know, that's a good starting place. It's a wonderful starting place. Um, and I I think what's what's tricky about it is that the Akashic record is it is a vibrational archive of every soul and its journey as human. And so, um, you know, we, it, visual images are so helpful for us, right? And so we've always thought of it in terms of a library, but then one day I realized it was vibrational and it was invisible. And I thought, oh no, now what do we do, right? <laughs> and um, so, but but that that idea that it is, you know, it's a treasury, it's a collection of every soul, you know, we're, you know, we're all in it. Everybody's in it, people we like, people we don't like, and the soul's journey is human. So it's, it's often thought of, too, as the, the memory, right, the cosmic memory of everything that we see in the physical here on Earth. And um, so, so there are a few different, depending on the angle, there are some different ways to consider it. Um, I know I've even had the awareness at one point that the Akashic realm, right, is like the energetic connective tissue from the soul to the source. Because we're always connected to the source, but what keeps us connected is this Akasha, this primary substance. It's a Sanskrit word. So it's interesting. There, are, Depending on the angle, there are a few different ways to think about it, and I just noticed people who are very visual go immediately for the library, and you know what? It really works. Right, right. That's what I think is just kind of a an ethereal, you know, library in a sense. And really, the idea of the Akashic records kind of came into being, wasn't it? Back in in the 1800s with the, the Theosophist and you know, that that was really what popularized the idea, right, of the Akashic Records? Yes, yes. That's when the record became, you know, it really, um, it, well, it's been referred to in all the traditional religions, like in old scriptural books, like the Judeo-Christian Bible and the Old Testaments and such. Um, so, so the idea of it has been around forever. Uh, but it actually started coming into the mass consciousness through, you know, Helene Blavatsky, who was with the Theosophists out of Russia. And so that's where it started, like, bubbling up. And then Rudolf Steiner, the German, in the early part of the 20th century, actually coined the term Akashic Records. Interesting. Um, but it wasn't until um, Edgar Casey. I mean, we all know of Edgar Casey. um, in in the middle of the last century, Edgar was the first, <laughs> like I'm on a first name basis with him. Anyway, Edgar Casey was the first person in the West to have direct contact with the record and to popularize the understanding of it as a resource for, for healing and insight and wisdom. 
Um, his work was really quite brilliant, and, and there are so many, he's got so many adherents and followers to this day who have just been so richly blessed by his understanding. There were a couple problems, right. though, right? A couple problems because he could not teach anybody else how to do what he was doing. <laughs> it was kind of a, but at the time it was all right. You know, it's the middle of the last century. And then the other thing is he was unconscious. He was like trans-channeling. And that's really, I think, the, the biggest breakthrough in the record itself at the end of the 20th century, that there was a dramatic shift in the record. And that's actually when I came into it in 94, when the record became available to secular people like you and I, right, through the use of a sacred prayer, and working in the records, you could be conscious, which meant you can be responsible and deliberate. And and it really put us in a very um, radical and unique position in that we were no longer at the mercy or the whim of some external spiritual authority, right? It just, it, uh, it really changed the game for so many of us. And, um, and that has been my work ever since the 90s. Right. And you've been doing this for so long where you're able to teach, like you said, regular people, you and I and, and anyone else that, that's interested in accessing this information. We don't have to be like an Edgar Casey, you know, they called him the sleeping prophet, that he would be mm -hmm. able to do this. And he is such an interesting figure in his own right. And if anyone's interested, they might want to look it up. I think there's an Edgar Casey Foundation somewhere in Virginia or something like that. You know, so yes, many people yes, have studied yes. his work. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's just, that's really interesting stuff. So, but what you've done is kind of give it, give it to the masses, you know, giving us the ability to explore this information, which is so cool. And why do you think now, you talk about this in the book, you know, we're dealing with such incredible change and transition just on a global scale, that mm -hmm. now is really a good time for us to learn to work with the Akashic Records. Well, you know, there's a few reasons for it. <laughs> this is, uh, and, and they're all good if you ask me, because everything that we have, um, everything we've been using for, for centuries and centuries, you know, um, all our traditional organizations, institutions, infrastructures, whether it's governments, economies, religions, um, you know, it's just medical systems, they're all falling apart. Right, everything is, I mean, we see it every day. We hear about it, um, that that the, the institutions and structures of our past have delivered us to this time where we have to find new ways of making connection, new ways of understanding. And really what is most reliable is our own connection with our own spiritual authority, our connection with our soul. And that's where the Akashic record comes in, because you know the age, the you know the age of like priests and you know gurus. Listen, they have they have served us well, and I'm grateful for them all. But the fact is, those days are over, and we are called upon to rely on those aspects within us and beyond us, right? But those aspects within us upon which we can rely consistently. Right, and it turns out that this Akashic light, right, the light of life, is completely, it's dependable, it's durable, it, 
it is consistent even when there's external turbulence. And so it turns out that it's a wonderful resource um, for our own personal growth, transformation, stability, and our ability to engage effectively in the world, even when the world is up for grabs. Right, and things are just so, uh, you know, seemingly out of our control, you know, and so yeah. crazy. But this gives us a tool that is, is something we can work with that would be, you know, more or less in, in our control. Right. You know, so the, we have the power to, to access this. And it's how interesting when you were talking, I was thinking that, you know, if you were saying something like this, you know, like back in Tudor times or something, you would be burned at the stake. Because you'd be you know, you'd be a heretic because oh, to think of how could we be in, you know, able to to communicate with the, the higher source or higher power or God you know, as just mere mortals without a priest or someone else in the middle, you know, at, at that time, you'd, you'd, you'd get executed <laughs> for thinking it's those things. Scandalous. Just downright scandalous. Yes. Do you know what, though? Even my first book came out in um, 2009, How to Read the Akashic Record. Now, and it turns out that that book was the first of its kind to ever um, not only identify the record, others had done that, but no one had ever um, presented a, an effective, accessible way for individuals to engage with their own records and then to work with others. So, you know, unbeknownst to me at the time, this was a book that really launched an international movement. And it's very, very exciting. But when you think of it, you know, so many of the things we take for granted they are just, they're actually quite new and um, exciting and radical. And, uh, these, you know, we picked a great time to be on the planet. <laughs> Even though it doesn't seem like that right now. We, oh, we right. Did. Don't be fooled by appearances. <laughs> Heavens. <laughs> right? So what right. do you think, what are some of the misconceptions that people have about the Akashic Records that they get wrong? And And you state in the book that, this isn't really a divination tool at all. Oh, I know. And you know what? That is just, if, if you ask me, that's downright sad. You know, I love fortune telling. It's just that this is not fortune telling. This is, here's what, here, the Akashic Record is an infinite spiritual resource. So it's a realm of light, really. And it is governed by these three absolutes, which are principles. And they are fear not, judge not, and resist not. And those governing principles safeguard this dimension of consciousness. It resides at the level of the soul. Now, the Akashic Record is tremendous for giving us, supporting us, right, with insight, guidance, and wisdom. But it is, it's, it's spiritual. So it's really the purpose of using the record for us is to help us to find the most loving way, because spiritual is love, right? It's the most loving way to approach ourselves and others and the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And because it turns out that what is ultimately most satisfying to human beings is when we can tap into to really unleash that ex that infinite well of love within right and 
it, it seems like, oh, it should be so easy. But, um, and sometimes it is, but sometimes it's really not. But working in the record puts us in a place that is emotionally very safe and secure and honorable. And in that space, it is easier for us to identify, uh, to first of all, to be honest about our motivations, our own inner truth. But this Akashic light shines on all the treasures of, of growth and insight and wisdom that we have been accumulating for our many, many lifetimes. You know, and all of those, all of those, they're like treasures, you know, that are just embedded in our souls become available to us as we consciously put ourselves in the space of the record. And we begin to recognize some of these um, attributes of love and unique and wonderful ways we experience and then express love in the world. You know, so many of us are really seeking, like, how can I be part of the solution when the world is so dang topsy-turvy? And, and we find that this is a wonderful way of guidance. You know, it turns out the record, <laughs> you know, the record will not spoon feed us and tell us what to do or who to be. But the record shines the light on our possibility, our optimal, you know, like what could be, where we could go, right? Um, what it will take to really make peace with ourselves and others. And also to bring our most precious dreams to the world in which we find ourselves. And that's where this whole idea of inspired manifesting comes in. Right. It, it helps us to excavate uh, those answers and, and maybe our own talents and abilities and things that are hidden or things that we might be blocking or self-sabotaging. You know, I was thinking yeah. that the... Uh, the information of, of the Akashic Records is really accessible to anybody of any religious faith, belief, or background, but it seems like that if you didn't allow for the possibility of reincarnation, then it wouldn't really make sense. Is, is that true? Absolutely. The, uh, one of the primary assumptions of the record is that the soul is eternal, and that this lifetime, the one we're in, I mean, this is a very particular experience we're all having, but this is, it's not a one-off for any soul, that the soul's journey as human takes many, many lifetimes. And from an Akashic perspective, the purpose of these, <laughs> some, you know, countless lives, you know, we come and we experience um, humanity in in countless forms. And different, you know, every different continent, culture, race, religion, um, occupation. And we do this so that we can grow into the experience of unconditional love, first for the self, then for others, and finally for all of creation. So that the purpose of reincarnation from an Akashic standpoint is not, you know, it's not to zero out on the balance ledger, which I used to think. I really thought, oh, great, you know, we have a good, I have a good life, then I have a bad life, you know. And, but from a record standpoint, the question is always, can I love myself now? Can I love myself if I'm the Queen of England? Can I love myself if I'm an international drug smuggler? Do you know, can I love myself if, you know, my, my child jumped off the mountain? Right, everything, because the soul's journey is to, 
to grow into awareness that we are unconditionally lovable and loved and loving. And that really, you know, as I have come to understand that in my own records and working with others, it, it's a radical departure, certainly, from some of the traditional ideas I was raised with. Right. No, me as well. I mean, I've always felt reincarnation and that whole concept just made total sense and have always felt like an old soul myself. So what about this? You know, what if you're new? What if you're a newbie? Is that possible that someone could be a new soul and there's not really much in in their records? Or no, or is no, 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 silly no, 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 no. You know what? I'll tell you something. Tell me, listen, I used to believe that. Of course. I mean, you know, we are in a time of a huge, d dramatic, as you know, awakening spiritual awareness that began in the late 70s, right? And it has been, it has just been gathering steam ever since. So many, uh, over the last 40 years, we have been so rapidly letting go of old ideas, embracing new possibilities. And even things that we thought were new ideas 40 years ago, we find out really don't, they're not a good fit, right? They're ju it's just not, it's just not the case. Now, from an Akashic standpoint, all souls came into existence at the, the same time. So we're all basically the same age. However, where the distinction is, is in the awakening of awareness. And all of us, <laughs> you know, so, so basically we're all the same age. The question is, how long have you been awake, right? And some of us have been awakening for a long time, right? And some people awaken for a while, and then it's too much. So they go to sleep for, you know, I don't know, 1,500 years. Then they try it again, right? There are, you know, and one of the big challenges you know, how do, can I love myself when I am completely unconscious? Can I love myself when I am oblivious? Can I love myself when I am insensitive? You know, part of our challenge is to love ourselves when we're knuckleheads. And so that's, that's also part of the soul's journey as human, right? Because when we don't have bodies, I mean, you know this, when we don't have bodies, we love ourselves. We have a great time. But you put you put a you put a soul in a human body. It's like holy smokes! What was I thinking? Right? I mean, we have <laughs> we have physical pain. We have mortgages. We have relationships. We have I mean, there are all kinds of things. And the questions become over and over. How do I love myself now? Right? Because that's I mean that's what the, if there's a game, that's what it is. Now that that's a really sense. interesting theory. Yes. See, I know you know I never thought of it in that way from the the perspective of all of all of the souls of humanity. Like we're we're all just at at various stages of waking up in awareness, but we all mm -hmm. kind of came into being at the same time. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting uh interesting take on that. Right. I, I like it. That's that, that's very uh, hmm. Oh, good. Try one. When I first got that in my records, oh, you know, I spent a lot of time arguing in my rec records. I can be a real oppositional person. So I'm in there, no, I don't know. But it turns out after time, you know, I, I have really come to understand that this perspective is, it's a, it's a, a tremendous departure 
from from where certainly where I started in this life, being raised in a traditional Midwestern religion, you know, uh, well, I mean, let's start with the word Akasha. You know, where I come from, people don't use that kind of a word. <laughs> right, it can you be know, kind I'm of in, challenging. I'm in Chicago, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, no. Yeah, that's that's some in interesting theory. So uh, we're going to uh, take a short break in a couple of minutes and then dig into like really, you know, getting into the records and using this for manifesting things into our lives and, and bringing us greater awareness and, and joy. And all of this mm -hmm. is, is available. So one of the things that's interesting that you ask the reader, like kind of in the beginning is, okay, is this book for you? Like, who am I? Am I the right person, you know, to really read this? And really, if you're kind of questioning yourself, like, okay, maybe I've accomplished a bunch of things up until this point, but what else yeah. is there? There's that little nagging feeling. What else is there? Or else you have a sense that you have untapped gifts and abilities that you might not even mm -hmm. know of, but you could share them. If you could access them, this work is yeah. for you. Or yeah. if you know, you, you get started in, on something, you want to venture forth with your dreams, but always something comes up, you self-sabotage or there's a block or something like that. If people are feeling any of those things, working with the Akashic Records can really shed some light. Yes, and it can empower the shift that you're seeking. Right, right. The more, the more we can find out about working with this, then mm -hmm. it, it could kind of supercharge you know, what we're wanting to do rather than all of the woulds and shoulds and could haves and all of those other things that come oh. into our, you know, into our thought process that are stopping right. us from doing, you know, whatever it is that we want to do. So if you'd like to join mm -hmm. the conversation, if you're spinning out there in the cosmos of the interwebs and happen to be listening at this time and place and moment, you can give me a call at 816-251-3555, <laughs> talking with Dr. Linda Howe about her book, Inspired Manifesting. So as we get into the next segment, though, we're going to talk about there's very certain steps to get into the records and you you stress that this is the way that we have to do it why why did, is it it has to be like a certain way i guess well here's the thing um if you want to be able to trust the resource right you want to trust what you're getting you want to trust what it seems like then you have to be very precise and disciplined in your access right you want to be efficient. You want to be responsible. And, and it, you know, we work with the pathway prayer, which gives us access to the heart of the records. And right. when a certain, we... Wait, hold, hold okay. that thought, Linda. There's a certain way to do it, and I, I want to lead into that to, um, you know, give you the chance to explain. So we're going to take just a short break. Okay. I'm Diane Ray. We'll be right back with Dr. Linda Howe, Inspired Manifesting and Opening Up Your Akashic Records. Stay close. <laughs> All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Be Present, the Diane Ray Show. Thanks for hanging out through the break. I'm Diane Ray here with Dr. Linda Howe talking about her most recent book. It's called Inspired Manifesting, and she teaches how we can kind of break through our barriers 
and boundaries and self-sabotage through working with the Akashic Records. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, some history of what the Akashic Records are, you know, studying it, how we can benefit from it. So, you know, we were asking ourselves, like, what kind of person is ready to work with the records? You know, so if you are one of those people that you feel there's that little nagging sense that there's more that you can do, you just don't know what or how, you know, your untapped gifts and talents, how to excavate those and also remove those blockages and senses of, of self-sabotage, then this is something that is really going to work for you. And Linda's had a lot of great success with people really having tremendous shifts in their life by being able to access the Akashic records. So there is a specific way and almost like a ritual or a way to do it, um, you know, to get into the Akashic records. So I wanted to talk a, a little bit about that. Like when we're ready to, to do this, then, you know, what are some of the first steps? to be able to access the records. Okay. Well, one of the things I think is important to know is that the only people who who are inexplicably drawn to the Akashic record are people who already have a connection with the record. Perhaps you've bumped into them at random, right? Accidentally, you have this sense like, oh my God, you have those moments where you you can really get a sense of who you are and your place in the universe. And it, it's really, it's, it's spectacular, um, but it's random. You know, it's happenstance. So, so in, the, in the opening of the records, we use the, a, a sacred prayer. It's called the Pathway Prayer Process, and we access the heart of the record. And in the, the prayer is very specific. Okay, and so, and there are instructions. It's really simple, you know, I'm, like you don't change the prayer, you just read it the way it is, and, you know, you don't open people's records without their permission. I mean, there are some, you use your current legal name. There are, there are a handful of, of guidelines for successful work in the records. What's very interesting to me is that there are guidelines for opening the records, but they are guidelines for your life. You, know, you can wear any color you want. You can eat anything you want. The only thing is that no alcohol or recreational drugs for 24 hours before opening the records because those substances actually weaken the edge of the energy field, which is really why we like them, right? But but it's not helpful if we're trying to enter a, a realm that is really fast. So, but, but the record doesn't, you know, the guidelines don't say never drink. They just say don't drink before opening the record. Anyway, so there, was, there really is, it's a very precise prayer, and you just read it. You follow the instructions. And in the saying of the prayer, the practitioner experiences a slight shift in awareness, but it is a shift sufficient to register the impressions of the record. Now, what's important about working in the record is it's not a hard, you know, this is not a hard science. And so we spend a lot of time describing what it seems like. Um, when we open the records, the past, the present, and the future are all available. Now, the truth of the matter is, if we got it all at once, we'd probably cave in or something. So 
so the records, um, really, they, uh, they respond to our, our human need, right? You can think of it, too, as the record is the intersecting zone of the heavens and the earth. And so who you are as a person is really important in the records. And so we, we say the prayer. We have questions about our human experience, right? Um, I really, I love, I love um, unbudgeable questions like, how come I never, how come I always, <laughs> you know, why do all my jobs, why does this always happen, why does that never happen, right? I think those are really fun. Um, when we work in the record, it's, it's not a, a very good predictive tool for a few reasons. Because when we make the shift, in awareness from an ordinary state like we're in right now to an extraordinary state which is what we enter through the saying of the prayer time as we know it collapses so if i ask like when am i going to meet my soulmate i get stuff like i you know i want to know when is it going to be you know march 7th come on <laughs> but what i get are things like oh you will meet your soulmate after you forgive your brother clean the garage and, and start doing some nice things for your neighbors. Now, from a record standpoint, they don't care if that takes me, you know, I might say forget it. I'm not doing any of it. I don't care if it takes me five lifetimes. But but it, it's what's mapped out is what is the sequence of events required to transform me so I can become the person who's ready for her soulmate. Do you see? It's very, very right. interesting. Right. So things like time. Um, a yes, no questions. You know, the records understand that we are not um, children, right? And so the records don't tell us what to do. Like, you must wear the blue sweater. No, you must take the job in Cleveland. Absolutely not. The records are like, listen, <laughs> you have some choices. Let's explore. What are the benefits? What are the advantages? What are the disadvantages? Who will you become if you take the job? Who will you become if you don't? Now, what's very interesting to me about soul's purposes in the records, and especially working with people who've had, you know, they've had some success, I mean, and, and accomplishments in life, but souls, our soul's purposes are very persistent little rascals. They live within us, and they don't go away. We can't, like, even when we're like, oh, I'm not doing that. You know, um, what we find is they they live within us. They and sometimes they surface and sometimes they go underground. But the, there is a persistent quality, and it's very compelling. Our soul's purposes are compelling. Now the soul is made of love, and so our soul's purposes have something to do with empowering us to experience the love that we are. You know, I've heard so much about all these spiritual ideas. You are love. I'm like, well, isn't that nice? But how the heck do you get to it? And working in the record, I have been led to understand that soul's purposes are those activities, those um, people, places, events, you know, whatever, that activate within me the love that's already there. So, so that's, okay. that's where, I, okay, so like, listen, you know, it's a very funny thing. Like, I love to ice skate. I love it, okay? I'm not that good, but I do love it. 
you know, when I'm ice skating, I'm like the happiest person. I love it. And and it's, now, is that my life calling? No, I don't have the talent. I just don't have it. And, and not only that, I don't want to, I don't want to work that hard in that way. Anyway, so, so sometimes we have these things in life that really, whether, I know for me, it's like ice skating and baking and walking my dog, very ordinary activities that, that support us so that, so that it becomes easier for us to identify those more slippery, those more challenging ideas about what our soul's purposes are, those, those dreams that we have tucked away, so we can bring them forward. And in the world in which we find them, uh, you know, we, we actually live, not, not the perfect world of our, I don't know about you, you know, my visualizations, my imagination is great. You know, everything's easy sneezy. But in real life, right, it's, right. it's not always that easy. And that's what is so, like in Inspired Manifesting, I actually came upon this very exciting idea. Um, it's called the realm of engagement. And, and the idea is that many of us have these dreams in our own, you know, dreams in our hearts, you know, things we really would like. And, and, and what, what we're asked to do is to bring our most treasured dreams to the world in which we live and to set them out there, to, you know, get them going as much as possible, and then let life take over. That there is an alchemical um, reaction when we bring the best of who we are to the world in which we live. And that's where, you know, I, I know I've said it, you've probably said it, Diane, everybody I know says it like, Oh, I just let go, and then it was like all this magic or miracles started to happen. But we have to launch our dreams into the world, and then, you know, the world actually needs what we have to offer, no matter what opinions we may have about ourselves and, you know, our worthiness, our deservability. That, you know, life, life does not require us to be perfect. I mean, some of the people who have made the greatest contributions in in the history of humanity were really kind of nerdy. Right, they were highly imperfect. Well, what about this? Here, here's a thought about that. Okay. So, yes, we're you're right. You know, we all have dreams and, and things that are are living within us, and while we're accessing the akashic records, how can we separate what is uh, obtainable? And, and a fact or or reality from from something that's just pure fantasy. Like I can have things that I really love, like you described, like, you know, I, I have a dream or I've always had a dream to be a famous actress and, and I can envision myself accepting the Academy Award and, and getting in a movie and all this stuff, you know, and just your mind will, will run sure. into all of these fabulous fantasies, but it is a fantasy. Let's face it. You know, I'm, I don't think, not that it's impossible, I guess it could happen, that, I don't know, maybe I could audition for something and, you know, it would be a big hit and I'd I'd win the Academy Award, but, you know, that's astronomical. I guess what I'm saying is how can we take something that, okay, that if that was my fantasy and, and my dream and if I'm, if I'm accessing that, how can, how would it manifest, how would that manifest into reality where it's not just an imaginary thing? Okay, okay. So the first thing is, 
we want to understand that who you are as a person is the ideal vehicle for your soul's purposes, okay? And what that means is that when, when we look at who you are as a person, you have to dream. Okay, we get that. The next question is, do you have the talent? Really? Right? And maybe you have some of the talent. Then the next question is, are you willing to do the work? Right? Some of the greatest, like, you know, Michael Jordan, do you know how much he practiced? Michael Jackson, this guy, was he danced all night long. I mean, these people, they came in with talent. They could not be stopped. They just kept working at it, right? One of the features of our soul's purposes is that even when there is a tremendous amount of effort involved, we're happy about it. We're happy to do it. Do you know? There are there are a number of steps. First is, you know, we look to see, am I willing to start where I'm at? It's the only place to start, right? And am I willing to take one step at a time? Am I willing to, to adjust? I may have a very clear awareness of my, you know, the end game, my destination. I may have a very clear sense of that, but I have to be flexible about how I get there. Do you know, I have to tell you, this is interesting. In the early 90s, when I first came in the records, I had this awareness. I'm, I'm not a very visual person. I saw like a grid of light. It was really, you know, it reminded me of like the AT&T ad. It was a grid of light enveloping the globe. It was gorgeous. And I I got the idea that these are points of light, points of Akashic light around the world. That was a long time ago. (laughs) And over the years, you know, one step at a time, right? Whether it was five people in my living room or, you know, I just, you know, I just recently have finished, you know, I did 24 trips to China over the last four years, teaching hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. I, you know, I never thought, oh, I have to go to China. My next stop is Russia. Do, do you see that there is just by being open, doing the work to the best of my ability, and helping the next person in front of me, right? And there's also something about, the thing about soul's purposes is we're willing to work on them without, without an expiration date. Right? I, like, I never said, oh, I'm going to do this for a year and see how it goes. No. Do you know what I said? I'm going to do the Sakashic thing until it has no more pulse, until there's no more life force in it. I didn't care how much money it cost. And, you know, along the way, when I first started, you know, I have to laugh. When I first started, I didn't even have a computer. Now my life is on. Now I'm. Now I. I should just have one like embedded in my head. Do you know? Right, it's you just, just live with it. <laughs> right. It's just. But it's being willing. Right. One step at a time. There's also. I mean, you know the reality of this, Diane. There are people who, they wake up and they're like, um, you know, I want to be. I want to be a stage actress. Well, if that's the case, then you need to go where the. You know, then you need to go to New York City. 
You want to be in television, you need to go to L.A. You know, there are some realities in the world that we have to work with that our sole purposes happen through us as the people we are at the time in which we live. And that is, I mean, when you think of it, it's like, oh, great. You know, I thought, you know, I thought doing spiritual work, being a spiritual teacher, well, I didn't know what it was. I mean, I thought what it was was I was going to, like, sit on the lanai and drink iced tea in Hawaii. I haven't been to Hawaii in, you know, 25 years. <laughs> anyway. Right, you know, that's not that. Well, like, what is that? What is it? So it's really about what are the activities, you know, Human life, we're in the age of the will, right? And the will is about action, right? It's a, so it's not only what do I love, but it's like the idea has to make me happy. Like, oh, yes, right? Um, what do I love? What makes me happy? What am I willing to work on? And is it a good idea for me, right? And don't you there have to release a- uh, the, the uh, attachment to the outcome, right? You can't. Right, right. something to be. Right. But see, and that is why I think one of the greatest things I've ever learned is that it is energetically impossible to suffer my way into happiness. And I tried to do that. Um, Many years ago, I was in graduate school for Russian history. And, um, and, And every day, and I hated it, and every day I cried. And I kept thinking, oh, I will suffer now and be happy later. Well, you know, you know, it didn't work out. Can I just say it was terrible? And yet, when I went and I got a, I got a doctorate in uh, spiritual studies in the Akashic Records, I mean, was it hard? Oh my God, it was so inconvenient. It was a pain. Did I love it? I loved every minute of it. I mean, it just—it's an amazing thing. I was happy even though it was hard work. And I was grossly inconvenienced, which to me is like the worst thing. <laughs> anyway, but see, that's the thing about soul's purposes is that it makes that there's a there's a deep sense of peace inside. There's a deep sense of fulfillment and satisfaction along the way. We don't have to wait for the finish line. And that's- and along along the way we are always guided and inspired to the next appropriate action. Right. Well, you share a great formula. You have a great formula in the book about this, about conscious manifesting, where you take the human desire, you know, what we're talking about, then you add talent, skill, plus action. Like you have to have all of those things together, and that equals the inspired manifesting. So you can't Mm -hmm. have like one without the other, right? Right, right. The desire, desire is not enough. And you know what is, I I think, especially problematic here in here in the states is that you know we are living in the age of celebrity, the glorification of celebrity. You know, being famous just for being famous. The Kardashians, who I happen to love, but come on. Um, But it's. So, you know, so everybody, you know, it's like, oh, my God, if I see one more person taking a selfie, I'm just going to weep. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that that is a very hollow, right? I mean, unless you're here to be a celebrity. I mean, the fact of the matter is that not 
that so few people are going to find that satisfying. See, I think we're looking in the wrong direction. When we look at our soul's purposes, we're looking at what is it? What is my unique individual way of experiencing and expressing love as the person I am at this point in time? That's I the think real you're so issue. right. That, that's how right. people have to look at it instead of, I mean, I've talked to friends that are just so beaten down and dejected because they feel that I, I have one girlfriend in particular who says, well, I have no talent there. There's she's convinced there's nothing she can do. And it just amazes me because I, I see it so differently. I, I see her as, OK, well, you're the most organized person I've ever met, which is a <laughs> skill that I don't have. You know, you can make money off of that, too, if you want to, like go in and organize things for people. You know, you're very detail oriented. Like those are skills that might not necessarily, you know, make you famous, but it's there's certainly great things to have. And yeah, I think it is interesting that whole celebrity culture and where we're putting so much stock into something like that that's really very hollow in a sense. Like how how long can you can you try to continue that or why would you even want right. to? Right. Unless it's unless that's really what you're here for. Right? But see most of us are not. You know, good news, bad news. Most of us really are here just to be people. And what's so interesting, I I have found, is that, you know, for centuries, especially women, for centuries, everything has been about service and giving and doing. And, and then there was the whole backlash, well, forget it, I'm not going to give to anybody, you know, it's all for me. That's not, that doesn't work either. But see, the new idea is that, the, the question is this, we, what, how can I give to others? What can I do for others that nurtures and sustains me? Right, I'll tell you, do you know why I do what I do? Because it makes me so happy. I don't, you know, I mean, that's really, I mean, I hate to be, I hate to be so self-serving about it, but that's really, I love what I do. I love writing. I love writing these books. I love making classes. I, I love it. I love the whole thing. I love doing readings. I love it. That's the reason I do this. And it just so happens that, that it is a way that I can be helpful to others. Right, we are here to help one another. The goal of the spiritual awakening and the spiritual journey is not perfection, much to my chagrin, right? But it's usefulness. It's it's fulfilling usefulness. How can I give to others in a way that nurtures and sustains me, as opposed to martyring myself to you know a you know <laughs> to a right. pulp? No, no, no. We've really done that. That's really the yeah. only way we're going to survive, I think, as a species, if we don't shift to thinking in that way. Because I think that I, I even read, you know, we had learned for so long about Darwin and the, you know, survival of the fittest. And it turns out that it wasn't, it's never been survival of the fittest. It's been the species that know how to cooperate and work together and work with other species that continue to thrive and not become extinct, you know? So we've been thinking about this all wrong. And, and right. your book really opens up some great ideas 
on how we can think about things differently and giving us a really amazing tool with the Akashic Records. And we have just a few minutes. I mean, there's so many things that I wanted to ask you about that we just won't have time for, unfortunately. But I'll just have to have you come back because you're just such an interesting person. I love talking to you. We always ask questions. I love it. (laughs) We'll have fun. So I wanted to find out, you know, while we have a couple of minutes here, what are you working on now and you know, with COVID, I know you're not really traveling, but can people find you on your website? And Oh, heavens, yes, 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 yes. Well, the, the new book is out and the Audible will be coming. I mean, you know, we're waiting for the word from Audible for, the, for them to pull the trigger. So that's all, that's going to be out any minute. Um, there's, um, let's see, my website is lindahow.com. And, you know, I have a, a school, right, of, live online school, um, the Linda Howe Online Center for Akashic Studies, and um, there's a teacher training program. You know, I have five core classes based on my first four books, and um, people are working with them. I'm very, very excited. We have some wonderful certified teachers um, who are teaching. I myself am... um, you know, we're working on, um, we're opening a center in Taiwan in May and moving into Russia this spring. And I mean, there's a lot of, it's really, it's a wonderful time. It's it's very exciting. Um, I am available to, um, to help people, um, you know, with readings. I also have, I have recorded classes that are on right now. I'm also doing, I'm doing a series. I'm, I'm starting to tinker around with some new ideas like the um in whatever what's next month is March I'm doing a a one evening class on the relationship of freedom right um freedom as seen through the akashic records and then I'm going to do prosperity and the akashic records so I have so a, you know I have some new topics coming up that I'm very yeah, excited so much about. going on well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's always fun to talk with you. Check out Linda thank at you. her site, lindahowe.com, and experience inspired manifesting for yourself. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.